we are excited that you could join us this week through our media outlet. Let's go listen to Pastor Tim as he speaks on part one of a message entitled, Help Wanted, from our preaching series, The Harvest is Ripe. The series that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is called, The Harvest is Ripe. And I believe it's important for us. To, how many know this is time? Uh, this is harvest time, anyways. This is a season where uh, we begin to harvest things. And I'm not a farmer, or never been able to uh, uh, get involved in that. I know there's some here probably that are real good with gardens and different things. And uh, I know I like to eat what comes out of those gardens, but I'm probably not the guy to come to to talk to about how to grow corn and how to do this. But again, it's so awesome that there's seasons for things, and God set it up that way. It's not, it's not just something that happened. It's a design of God. And I believe that as we go into talking about the harvest and our responsibilities in the harvest season that we're in uh, through Christ Jesus and into the spiritual world, we're in this season of harvest. And I believe God's going to really help us. You know, um, I, I put this uh, down, and I'm, I'm going to read it to you a couple of things because I just want to make sure I don't, I don't miss anything here. Uh, the title to this message today is called Help Wanted. Look at your neighbor and say, Help Wanted. I know we've all seen Help Wanted signs. Uh, we've probably applied somewhere where we saw a Help Wanted sign. Uh, and I think it's important for us to understand there are signs uh, in the scriptures and they scream out, Help Wanted. And this is one of those, those days that we're going to see how Christ truly was screaming out to his disciples and to those around him that there is a help wanted sign out. You know, harvest is a season. I wrote this down. A period of time where you, gra- you gather crops. That's what a harvest is called. A period of time where you gather crops. So I looked up the word crops and I thought, well, what is crops? And crops is a cultivated plant. A plant that you uh, uh, work on and you cultivate it and you help it grow. And it grows and it grows by, by sun and it grows by water and, and it's cultivated and you help it grow. But it's also, the crop is also considered a group of people in a place together. And I begin to think about how we look at our world today and the world we live in today and man, there is a crop of people. There is a crop of different things going on all around us. And I think it's important that we grab a hold of this message today. I'm going to read this to you. There are some eye-opening problems in the church world today. But the one that is most disturbing is one we may not even see in the church world today. As I walk this road to glory and I examine my life and the Christians all around me, I see a very dangerous Thing happening in the churches today. We live in a troubled times, so we are good at seeing the obvious around us, but I'm not sure we can see the, one of the most important and most serious problems we face today. The church, their biggest problem today isn't the drug dealer down the street, the drug addict or that's out on the street corner, the gangs outside our doors, and the decline of the moral values of our youth, ungodliness, pornography, or the darkness outside the walls of this church. The greatest problem in the church and the church is facing today is the things that's not happening on the inside of the church. 
You might as well say, oh, me, or give God a good hand clap of praise there. If the church was doing what they were supposed to be doing and were supposed to be doing, we would have less drug dealers on the corners. We would have less drug, uh, drugs in our neighborhoods. We would have less pornography. We would have less of the problems that we face today. But it seems like the church has decided it's going to be all about us and our campuses. Thank you. We have become a lukewarm church just like the church of Laodicea. I hate to say that, but I fear today that the church, you know, somebody said, well, the church is contemporary today. And I said, well, I know one thing for sure. The church is in contempt today. And God is frowning on a lot of things that's happening in the church world today because we've turned into nothing but a playground for, for, for us to grow and us to be everything we want to be, build the buildings that we want to build and look as pretty as we can be. Uh, how many know the world sees success on the outside, they never see the success on the inside. That's a problem with the world we live in today. And I stand here today, and I'm one of those pastors that God is beginning to really put a, a, a burden on my heart and a burning within me that we need to get back to the basics and we need to get back to the foundation of the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to lead us and guide us to be the church that we need to be in our community. We don't. I, I had somebody say the other day, well, what's your world ministry? And I said, you you know what? I can't even think about world ministry when the community I'm serving in is dying and going to hell. We can't. We got to begin to focus on what we have in front of us that God has put us in the middle of the harvest field. We've got to begin to focus on that. We have gotten away from being a great movement in this country, the church, and now we're just a bunch of monuments. As I drive around, Dr. Mike, I look at churches, and they do. To me, sometimes it looks like, well, we're going to try to build the best-looking monument around. And as you go to the different churches, uh, I, I was amazed the other day as I was talking to someone, and they shared with me that a certain church, I'm not even going to mention their names because I don't want it to be about me picking on churches because that's not what it's about. It's, be, it's speaking the truth of where the church is today. But this church just opened their 13th campus. 13th campus. Now, that's exciting but we also have to understand, what are we doing with those campuses? What are we doing? And again, it's, I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that now that looks like success. But yet that may not be what God is wanting done today because are we reaching the harvest? That's the most important thing of any church and every church that asks herself that question. It's time we turn our eyes to the harvest. It's time we begin to see the souls that are dying and going to hell. You know, God began to speak to me not too long ago, and he said, if I would, uh, if I would allow you spiritually to see those who are dying and going to hell, if I could open up your spiritual eyes and see and let you see what it's like when someone dies and they go to hell, and you could have changed it, or you could have fixed it, or you could have helped it, or you could have stopped it. Now, I don't know about you. That's not God condemning me. That's God convicting me. 
and telling me there are people you love right around you, right in your community, right in your family, that if we don't get on the ball, we don't see the harvest that's out there, they will die and they will go to hell. I'm sorry. Folks don't like, what is it today? Folks don't like talking about hell. We just want to talk about heaven. We just want to talk about the good things. We just want to come together and be lifted up and, and leave here and be glad that we have what we have. And, 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 and those things are all good. But I looked, man, I studied and studied the New Testament. I studied and studied the life of Jesus. His entire ministry was nothing about raising and getting the harvest taken in. Now, as I stand here today, I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, I want to read something and I'm going to share some things that's on my heart. Say amen when you get there. Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, the words of Jesus. Here's what he says. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, listen, when he saw the multitudes, he was what? Moved with what? Compassion. When he looked upon the multitude, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were what? Weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. They were lost. They were lost. Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, immediately Jesus said this, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus saw a problem. He saw that the harvest was plenty. There was plenty of sick. There was plenty of afflicted. There was plenty poor. There was plenty that didn't know Jesus. There were plenty that were dying and going to hell. And now, over 2,000 years later, we still have the same problem. The, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And as I read this and I see it jumps off the page at me because he says he was moved with compassion and Jesus saw the harvest. Jesus saw the harvest. He could see it. The disciples couldn't even see it because he, he had to make it known to them. Guys, look, the, the harvest is out there. And they didn't see the needs and the people as a harvest. They see the harvest as wheat and grain and corn. And, and they were thinking that way. But Jesus said, no, the harvest is those who are in need. So let me share some things with you today that I believe will help you and encourage you today and give you something. You know, when we read this, I, I got this on my sheet here. It says, Jesus posted a help wanted sign. Man, he posted it. He said, guys, I'm, I'm pounding this down in the spiritual ground. We got to have some help here because it is plentiful. And man, the labors are few. He even said, pray 
to the Father, to the Lord of the harvest. We need to pray. God, you got to send us helpers because we're allowing the harvest to, to, to dry up and go away, and we're going to lose this time and the time frame that we have. Listen to this. We see the challenges that Jesus gave us uh, and gave to his followers that day. Jesus shows us that there is a serious need in this world today. Jesus tells us that there are few people who will step up to the plate and do the work that needs to be done. Jesus is posing a question and a statement at the same time to all Christians today. There is a harvest that is plenty, but where are the workers? It's quiet in here. Look at your neighbor and say, where are the workers? Who will go? Man, that comes, that's in the scripture a lot, Brother Mike. Who will go? Who can I find? Who will step up? Who will commit themselves? Who will go? Man, many times in the scripture it says that. Who will do the work that needs to be done? It's a cry out from God from the, from the time Jesus spoke those words to today. It's been a cry from God. Who will step up? Who will do the work? Who will go out into the harvest and do what needs to be done? The challenge is there to every Christian that, that, that calls himself a Christian today. That challenge is there. You cannot get away from that. Somebody said the other day, well, that's not my calling. I said, What? If you are a child of God and you're a Christian, that is your calling. Somebody says, well, I need something special. I got, I, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. And I told him, I was honest with him, Brother Mike. I said, listen to me. If you can't talk to people, you get with some people that can talk to people. And you go with them. Just like Moses had someone speak for him. You go with them, but you get out there and you get in there and you get in the work and you do the work. Now, let me share some things with you that jumps off the page here. Number one, these are things that we must do as laborers to help that, that help one challenge that's out there. Number one, we have got to see the task at hand. Jesus had a problem with his disciples. They didn't see the task. They didn't see what was really happening. The harvest is plenty. To see the harvest around us takes something. Let me, let, me, let me help you today understand you will never see the harvest if you, don't, if you don't listen to what pastor's getting ready to say. Now listen to me. Seeing the harvest, seeing the needs of others, listen now when I tell you this, and not just seeing why they have the problem. Let me say it again. You will never see the harvest. You will never see the true needs of people when you focus yourself on why they have the need. Now, I'm guilty. I'm standing right here today, and I'm telling you I'm guilty because there have been needs, and I have looked at them needs, and I have justified them needs, and I have said, you have that need because you're like this. You might as well say amen or oh me. Pastor's right on the same block with you this morning. 
There's been many times I've, I've went past the blessing and I've went past something because I justified it in my eyes and what I thought and what I see, and I justified it, and the need was there, and God said, if you would just take care of the need, I'll take care of what's wrong with the need. Amen? amen. I might as well get an amen on that. If somebody's in the condition they're in and it's their fault and they did it, guess what drove them to that? The devil drove them to that. The devil's behind that. Fix the need and let them know that I love them and I care about them and I will take care of them. And guess what? Then I will fix the need that needs to be taken care of that causes the problems in the first place. But yet I focus, me... Tim A.G., Pastor Tim, I focus on why they have the need. Oh, man. Well, he's a drug addict. I'm not helping him as long as he's on them drugs. Now, let me tell you something. This can get out of hand because we do know that there are times when God says, let me have him, let it go. You've done your best. But let me, let me say something. I get so tired of people using this scripture. Dunning, do, doing all you have done. Just stand. I hear that all the time. I've done everything I can. And I always ask this question. Have you truly in your heart done everything you can do? Because most of the time... When I say those words, I've done everything I can. When I sit down and do inventory, no, I haven't done everything I really could do. I just got tired of it. Good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> See, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's people in here today, they've been fighting a battle. They've been dealing with this for a long, long, long time. Long enough to really, truly be able to say, I've done everything I can. But I have news for you today. We can go a long ways with what we can do. And today, I say this to you because it's so important. A selfless life is so important. If you don't have a selfless life, my friend, you will not see the harvest. I'm just being honest with you. Because guess what? You can't get your eyes off your own self and off your own situation to see the plentiful harvest. God spoke to me the other day, and he said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of you complaining about the little things that you're facing when right around you, right around you, people are dying and going to hell, and they got some serious problems, and you don't have any serious problems. Whew. Well, I hope the attendance stays good next week, too, so... So the two things that I believe that you have to have to see the task at hand, number one is to see the problem and fix the problem the best way you can. Don't look at why the problem's there. But sometimes we have to understand, fix the problem, God will fix what, what, what's wrong. And the second thing you got to have is that selflessness. Man, i got to go into situations and be unselfish about it. I got I to gotta take my eyes off of myself so much and, and everything I got going on and all my problems and all my situations, and I got to begin to shift off of that and begin to see the harvest that's around me. 
There's a whole lot of our family members, folks. I'm trying to be down right to the earth with you. There is a whole lot of our family members that if we don't do something, they will die and go to hell. There's a whole lot of our friends and loved ones and people we care about. If we don't get down and dirty and get down into the harvest and start to obey God and ask God to help us through this and help us get to where we need to get with them, they will die and they will go to hell. The second thing that I want you to grab a hold of, use what you have today. Stop looking for some kind of special gift. I, I have had so many people say to me that, well, I'm going to do this as soon as God gives me this. That's not how God works. Usually, God waits for you to step out and do something. Then he starts to gift you. Because guess what? You have the gift, but he brings it alive because now he can begin to trust you with it because now you're moving in it. Amen? So some are sitting and saying, man, if I just had this, if I had better health, if I had this, if I had more money, if I had the house paid off, if I had the cars done, if I had this, and we can go on down the line. How many know my, my grandma, she was the smartest woman. There is no woman I'm telling you, I would cha I'll challenge any of your grandmas against my grandma. <laughs> the woman had things she would say that was so profound in her hundred years that she lived on this earth. I'm telling you what, she said things that are so profound. And I know you've heard me say this before, but every time we would come up with an excuse, she'd look at us and say, that's just a wiener. I don't want to hear none of that. And when I was a kid, I heard it my whole life, and I thought, what in the world is that? So when she was 96 years old, I sat down with her, and I said, Grandma, I've never asked you this. I've only heard this and this, but I really want to know, what is a wiener? <laughs> and she said, son... She called me Timmy Joe. She said, Timmy Joe, a wiener is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. And she said, I'm telling you now, every excuse you make in your life, you can stop and look at that, and I guarantee you there's a skin of a reason, and you've stuffed it with some kind of lie. Profound. I told her, I said, Grandma, you should, you should help write the Bible sometime." And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, we make so many excuses. Is anybody getting this? Is it getting right here? It's, it's tearing me up. So don't sit there and think, well, God, he's really tearing me up today. It's tearing pastor up. And guess what? It tore pastor up getting it ready. And guess what? We make so many excuses today. Moses stood before God and said, I can't do it. Brother Mike, he said, I can't do it. I can't even talk. Guess what God said? That's no excuse. I got somebody to talk for you. Amen? Oh, I started thinking about the disciples, man, how they were everything from a fisherman to a tax collector. They didn't fit. That doesn't work. You can't use that. You can't change the world with those guys. And God said, oh, yeah, little is much if I'm in it. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. You don't need... 
to have great health. You don't need to have special this. You don't need to be able to speak elegant. You don't need all of these things that people have, have put together and said, you got to be this to be in ministry. No, you don't. You just need a willing heart that will stand before God and say, I see the harvest. God, use me. I want to I help. I want to be an active worker in your kingdom. The third thing. Can we leave this out? We can't leave it out. Third thing is engage in some kind of kingdom work. Now let me, let me say this, and Doc, Doc and I were talking before church, and I said, it is so hard for me, I'm including me, it is so hard for me and you to stop for a moment and say that my family is my responsibility. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just helping you out here, helping me out. My family is not my mission field. You're all going to disagree probably. Hold on a minute. It gets better. God said that if you do all these things, your family's good. I'll take care of them. My job is to do what I need to do in the kingdom so my family stays intact and my family stays covered. My job is not to live their lives for them and to do everything I can to throw money at it, do everything I can to make sure they become what I want them to be. My mission field is outside of my family. Wow. I knew this would be rough. And you say, well, what are you saying, Pastor? You don't care about... No. I would die for anyone in my family. I'd do everything I possibly can to make sure my family's taken care of in every way that I possibly can. But I have realized this one thing. If I'm not outside of my family working in the harvest, then, then my family's in jeopardy. Because I'm not fulfilling what I need to fulfill. He didn't say, hey, boys, go home to your families. And make sure they're taken care of. There's even one scripture. You may not like this, but he said, hey, what do I got to do? And he said, drop everything, go with me. And, and he says, well, let me go home and bury my father. Jesus said, you ain't worth nothing if, if that's on your mind. You, ministry's first. You can bury your dad. Let the dead bury the dead. See, this sounds so hard. I always say this. Jesus would not be invited in churches today. He would not be welcome in churches today. Because guess what? He would not be able to be quiet. He would have to tell the truth. He would have to bring his word out. And people just would not have that. So today, you can fire me. I don't make a whole lot, so you're not going to save a lot of money, okay? <laughs> but you can let me go. But guess what? If Jesus was the pastor of this church, I guarantee you it would be rough. Amen? So as I look at this and I talk about engaging in some kind of kingdom work, 
and, and I'm going to say this because it's true, most of us get so engrossed and caught up with our families that we don't have time for ministry. Did I say it? I said it. I have found myself at times so busy with my family that the ministry suffers. And I'm telling you now, that does not please God. Now listen to this. We need a heart check. Truly, honestly, to engage in the work and the kingdom of God, we, we need a heart check. If you don't have a desire to move into action to help others, you need a heart check. You need something inside of you that checks you and says, man, if I'm a child of God and I'm here to serve others and I don't serve others and I don't even care if I do serve others, man, just get a heart check. Go before God and have God help you with that. Let me read something to you because some folks get caught up in this uh, works and, and, and we all know you can't work yourself into heaven. Pastor would never say that. You'll never hear a pastor say that because guess what? You're saved by grace through faith. That's what saves us. That's what takes us to heaven. But let me tell you something. There's more to it than just being saved. And it's important that we understand it. Go with me to James. Hurry up. Go there quick. James. Chapter 2. It's not up there, but I got to read it. The Lord put it on my heart this morning. James chapter 2, 14 through 26. New King James. Here's what it says. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? This is what James is asking. Can faith alone save you? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for their body, what does it profit? In other words, if someone comes knocking on my door and they are starving for food and I tell them, I'm going to say it, Brother Mike, I'll pray for you. Oh, brother, I'll pray for you. And I send them away with a prayer. Guess what? Their belly's saying, that prayer ain't working for me. Amen? Listen now. I want you to stay with me on this. Thus, also, faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And this is what James says. And I will show you my faith by my works. You'll know my faith when you see how I work in the kingdom of God. Listen to this. Where am I at? There it is. You believe that there is one God. You do, not, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. He's saying to them. Stay tuned for part two of the message, Help Wanted, as Pastor Tim draws a conclusion to why God needs workers. We would like to invite you to our Harvest Celebration Weekend on September 21st and 22nd. On Saturday, starting at 4 p.m., we will be hosting a ministry fair, which you can learn about our ministries and how you can get plugged in on what we are doing, as well 
with dedicating our new shelter house. Food will be provided. Then on Sunday at 10.30, our service will be a time of reflection on the many things God has done for us this past year with a pitch-in following the service. If you need prayer or just to talk, please contact us at our website, sanctuarychurchbeachgrove.org. We can be found on all social media outlets. As well, we are now on podcast at Google Podcast and Apple Podcast. Search for the Sanctuary Beach Grove Podcast and subscribe today. Remember, at the sanctuary, you have a safe place.